0: Hey Gloucester! Welcome to Fishtown Local! That's right, they also call it Fishtown Gordo. <laughs> I got a great guest today. My theme on every show is the most interesting people in Gloucester. And they have extremely interesting pasts and even more interesting present and future tenses. So today I would like to introduce my guest, Hillary Fry. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Gordo. All right. Well, Hillary's Fry's Maiden name is Brown. Hillary Brown. So what you say? Well, Brown grew up at Brown's Boatyard, and that is a glorious past, a link to Gloucester's Boatyard era, the late fifties and early sixties. I was hoping you might tell us about your family's boatyard and your
1: upbringing there? Well, it was called Gloucester Yacht Yards in those days. My dad ran the yard and he had a faithful staff. He had uh, Henry Parsons and Ed Gracie and his his oldest son, Don Jr., worked there. Oh, who else? It was uh, Bob Burnham. It was a A crew very similar to what they have there today, a bunch of guys that got down there. It was hazardous hazardous pay because they didn't have a travel lift. They had the railways, and, and they moved everything on the land around on cradles, on dowels, and those cradles would roll to the end of the dowel, and the dowel would fire like a cannon. I'll
0: bet. And uh, uh, it, it's a hill there, too. Oh, yeah. So you had to make sure the uh, the pyramid didn't get away. Oh, you.
1: and there was uh, three sheds. And there was a big, long shed out on the pier. And that was, my dad had his office up there, and he'd disappear there every Sunday afternoon. He'd just be gone for the afternoon, because after, he'd go to... Church in three different places every Sunday morning, and then he'd go to the yard.
0: To the yard. Well, was this late fifties?
1: Uh, the yes, probably. I, mean, I I remember.
0: Were you born in nineteen sixty?
1: No, I wasn't born in nineteen sixty. Uh, when was it? We had um, the yard did burn to the ground three times. Oh, jeez! Once in nineteen fifty-eight once in 1959 and I can't remember the year on the third time because after the second time it burned and it took a lot of those old uh. classic vessels it uh, the last time it burned out and took a lot of the triangles oh my god that's why we don't oh. see the triangles yes anymore. they were all stored there and and that's why a lot of their
0: buildings now are
1: aluminum they were aluminum we thought that was the answer uh guess what? After the first
0: two fires. That yeah. burns too. Did the boats burn also? Oh, the fire? Absolutely, Oh absolutely
1: because somebody had gone into the aluminum building and opened all the gas lines on all the boats that were stored in the aluminum building. Oh so this was on purpose? Oh yeah they were uh-huh. all arson. So who did it? Let me guess Burnham and Thomas <laughs> next door. <laughs> they were our very fine neighbors oh, and I'm they sure were. they were as yeah. distressed as we were. Oh I'll bet. At the loss. Uh
0: yeah, because in those days, wood boats were... It was everything. Burn. There
1: everything. were no... Uh, I remember, because ah. we used to live upstairs from the Marine store on East Main Street. Right. Across the street from where Nora Pierce is just... a oh, uh, Priest exactly. has just The restored. white
0: building there that's yeah. right on the no, road.
1: No, you know, the one with the store windows. Yes, yeah. And the Avon Court is up there, and we yeah. used to live over the store. And uh, that was the showroom. That's where all the outboards were. And yeah. we came down one Sunday morning, and my daddy's always wearing these really wide ties. And we <laughs> were on our way to Sunday school, and he said, I'm going to show you something. This is called a fliver, and it's made of fiberglass. That was the first exposure we'd ever had to fiberglass. And spot. he said, I remember him standing right there saying, this will revolutionize the marine industry because you don't need to paint it yeah. you don't need to scrape it
0: was he worried it might take the business away because half of their biz was caulking and seaming and painting and sanding And
1: well it was all very labor intensive yeah. so this was uh, you didn't have to charge people so much for necessary things yeah uh, he didn't seem threatened about it. As a matter of fact, we had a very so had early LAGs. Boston Wheeler franchise. Huh? And uh, we started out, the Boston with the, Wheeler was a big thing. Oh, Johnson was a I had an old Johnson and that and the the just uh,
0: died about three years ago, and it was from 1958. So I wonder if that motor was bought. Was it here. brown? Uh, it was not brown, no.
1: Because no. they were green, and then they That's were brown, right. and yeah. then they were white.
0: Uh, I think it was green.
1: Oh, and my grandfather
0: dangerous. had and you put the you put the gas right in the head of the motor. Oh yeah. Yeah, it didn't attach to a tank, so you had to fill up more.
1: <laughs> so it, well, we had a great time but then the travel lift came along. Yeah. I that was between fires somewhere along the line because there was some big schooner that the guy had abandoned his schooner so he could go help move vessels yeah. out of the basin there. Um and it was a great place to play. We'd go there on Sunday mornings after Sunday school, and I loved the carpenter shop because it okay. had all the sawdust all piled up, and yeah. we'd just play in that. And my dad was making these little models for us uh, of the boats we were going to have. Oh. and Now, the railway.
0: Was the railway way off to the left where the trailer is now that Bob Veltman was in, or is it to the right where the travel lift where is? Where
1: the trailer is now is yeah. in the basin where the— where the railway was.
0: I think there's some rails still oh, there, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. there's still some evidence of the there. railways. And, and it's got that slope that would be oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and there's actually, we had a picture of, and it was kind of a famous vessel, too, that was sitting on the railways with the rest of the yard burned to the ground oh. around it. Oh. Oh. So and it that was, one had
0: been in, the had high tide prevented it from burning? Or uh, who just knows what from, prevented yeah. it?
1: it oh. Well, there was nothing to burn around yeah, it. Yeah, around it, yeah. So, uh, Of course, we used to. We went to East Gloucester Elementary, and every rainy day, when they didn't send us out to the playground for recess, they sent us to the auditorium, and we would watch replays of Brown's Yacht Yard burn into the ground. Oh, (laughs) well, didn't that make you sad? No, it gave me stars. It gave you worse.
0: Okay. fire lady
1: yeah it's, uh, oh. you know I they really had to tell me our house was fireproof because oh. I couldn't sleep and I said oh wow we're gonna go up in flames has it and all the insurance all those oh. boats it was it was very devastating oh.
0: well it's interesting um you also lived on a boat didn't you yes yes um,
1: 1958 we had a brutal winter and my brother Don, uh, from my father's first family, right. was now having children. And he had quite a few of them, and they were getting like crowded out of <laughs> all of the places where they were living. So now, uh, first of all, my dad had had enough winters in New England. He says, no more New England winters. 1958, I remember him, no more New England winters. And the next thing I know, we had a Grumman with an 18 horse on behind the station wagon, and we were headed to Norfolk. Oh to pick up a 30-foot pacemaker uh-huh. and hit the intercoastal waterway. And my mother had her Calvert course, she'd found it in the National Geographic, so she was teaching us. Yeah. This my brother David, who's a couple of years younger than I was, and she was teaching us. I remember sitting there at the galley table that folded down at night, so mom and dad's up there, and we would eat there, and we would do our studies there.
0: And there was a stove, and they'd make the fire. Or you lived in the in the summer on the boat. Oh no, this was in the round. winter. That's what I thought.
1: Oh, we came back here in the yeah, summer because yeah. the house out there in Farrington Avenue was strictly a summer cottage. Gotcha. You couldn't live there oh. in the winter time. So we were on um, intercoastal waterway, wow. and if we were someplace long enough, we'd go to school. For a little while,
0: so you were like a nomadic person,
1: it, yeah, basically
0: it roaming from up the intercoastal waterway.
1: Yeah, we, oh, and, and that first year that we were in the pacemaker, I remember going out to Bimini. Beautiful! Yeah. Oh, I mean, the water was beautiful. Oh. You could see the bottom; it's oh. like you could reach down and touch the yeah. bottom. It was so clear. And we get to Bimini, and it's so beautiful. There's no cars. There's no electricity. There's a Big, huge beach with nothing yes. but beautiful, perfect seashells from end to end. And
0: Bimini's only like 100 yards oh, wide, if it's, that, right? I
1: mean, the, the, there were people were living in mud huts. There was one <laughs> little uh, restaurant, sort of. Um, we had the most sophisticated plumbing on the island right on our boat. <laughs> and uh, a storm came in, and we were stuck there. We were stuck there. We couldn't leave. Wow. Because our boat was only, we tried to one time, and I was sick. My dad said, my mate's sick. We're going in. So we made a crossing, a night crossing, behind a little inter-island freighter. Wow. And I remember looking out the companionway and seeing the waves just (laughs) crashing over the the, the whole cockpit, and the men were standing out there with spotlights. How old were you? Six. Oh, my God. That's six.
0: too much. So those are indelible memories.
1: Oh, yes. we went to sleep because, you know, my mother would seek, uh, medicate us for seasickness. It yeah. did help you sleep. So She was lying on top of us holding us down. And the next thing I remember was just the lights of Miami Beach just laying like strings. Uh, it
0: was that must have been a great feeling to, to see them. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Well, Beacon Marine. Uh, you're down the street and around the corner neighbor, they still use the dowel and rolling method. That was your method. Yeah. It takes a while to get a boat across the yard. I just remember watching them do it. It was like building the pyramids. Yeah. Right? Those stones, they put them on, and they would take the dowel as it came out the back, move it around to the front, <laughs> and it would be like a foot every 10 minutes, you know. And they whack the things with the sledgehammers to keep them straight.
1: Oh, the sure. dowels, I it's should how you, how say. You it was steer. like
0: wheels on your car. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So you can still see it in action. But in those days, your distribution of customers was probably more all levels. Like today, Brown's Boatyard tends to be. I don't know, how do I put this? If you want an aristocrat for a boatyard, you go to Brown's.
1: It's a yacht yard.
0: Yes, but in those days, it was all kinds of customers, I assumed.
1: We had trawlers, we had draggers. There was one fellow, it used to fascinate me, because he would paint the letters and the numbers on the boat. He didn't know how to read, (laughs) but he would hold his elbow... And he would put on a perfect number. He would uh, put on a perfect letter. He uh, he didn't speak English. And you'd just watch him be there in the sun. and just uh, He was like a machine. He was so precise. That is
0: fabulous. Were there some super awful, awful storms that you remember ravaging the yard? Or was it an era? Just the
1: fire. That just would, the fire. That, that was be, enough. That would yeah. be the big thing. Damon yeah. talks about the storm that came through yeah. there uh, that was a southwest
0: yeah, well I remember Hurricane, was it Carol? And when I say I remember it, I was four. Yeah. So I just remember looking out the window and I wasn't allowed to go on the walk during the storm that the older relatives did. And I was so upset and I was left in my crib to look out the window oh. of our house out at the storm. I so wanted to be there. So that was 19, I think 54. Might have been 55, but I wouldn't have been in a The crib one I
1: remember then. is Donna. Oh. Yeah. But uh, we were leaving shortly after that, and we got to a very devastated Florida. Yeah. So everything here looked pretty good. Uh, Oh,
0: yes. Duana. Um, Well, that's the past. And one might say, well, the past is gone. But in your case, it isn't really gone because you've taken your maritime upbringing and you've given it a nice modern twist. And tell me about how you inherited the mantle of the Gloucester High School and City Sailing Programs. How, you didn't set out to do that. How did you become the grand poohbah of everything high school racing in Gloucester?
1: Well that was Patty Page's brainchild and she committed enormous amounts of time and energy to getting this on the water. Uh, she had Damon help her, who's uh, just the greatest resource on the waterfront you could possibly find.
0: Damon Cummings, that is.
1: Damon Cummings, Dr. Damon Cummings. Yes. And, of course, I'd seen him rowing the dories, and he was talking about uh, 420s, and I was remembering that uh, when my sister-in-law, Argy, had taken over the yacht yard after my brother Don was ah. killed in the car wreck, ah. She uh, had contacted me and said she wanted me to demo this new, new sailing class that they were taking on. Of course, she didn't know what a terribly bad sailor I had always <laughs> been. My greatest distinction was how consistently I was last back to the mooring of every single boat at Marblehead Race Week, but it didn't matter Wait, to her.
0: Wait, I don't know if you beat my record when I was sailing at Eastern Point Yacht Club. I believe that's where you were.
1: Well, they never claimed me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they did. Well, I was forced through the program. I hated it. then.
1: Well, who, whoever was still hanging around when I finally got back in was responsible for taking me home. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, but that was neither here nor there, and I didn't have anybody to sail with anyway. But I thought they were such cool little boats because mm. oh, they were. Uh, they were considered self writing at the time. Mm. They were self-veiling. They had a lot of sails. Uh, Newfangled, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, everything about I them had, was sleek and pinch new. Pinch and pull and, everything
0: yep. on the boat. So. And
1: they, in those days, each one had a different little, like the the Israeli ones, called the Snapier. They were oh. trimmed in teak. And the honor, which was the British model, was trimmed in mahogany. Oh. Uh, so they... There was little, tiny differences. But they weren't wood, though. They had the trim.
0: Yes, but the rest of the The boat was as we see it. They
1: they were designed for fiberglass. Were they
0: exactly the same design? Same sexy, beautiful? Very, very, very
1: similar. It's a wonderful
0: design how you almost seem to be tipping over, and yet the things like a fishing dory
1: don't seem
0: to want to tip over. Just regular, you have to really go out of your way to flip them. Oh,
1: yeah. it did take yeah. some work. You <laughs> uh, take, they, they, they crank them, and they're so sporty and they're so responsive. Uh, so so I just didn't sail the boat, yeah. I, I was well, never, we were in
0: turnabouts,
1: well, yeah, back in the and day. you know, that's my excuse yeah. for not pursuing sailing more slow, seriously. heavy, mm-hmm. scary, yeah, <laughs> yeah, can't capsize them.
0: Well, now, your daughter then became interested in computer. well right?
1: because i was talking to damon and he was talking about patty and i said well i have a daughter so yes i got my daughter involved i said i have a boston whaler i'll come help and that's how you got i ended up at the hip. with with this program yeah, yeah. and it's a, a constant joy for me uh, patty doesn't do it anymore because she she had a, some health concerns yeah. but uh, she left us a a lovely package. Well, and was. her
0: husband helped a lot too. Because I remember in the early days of the program, how much going to Morcelardo's Lobsters really was a wonderful base of operations, clubhouse right there on the water. You could park the whalers there, go right out to the program.
1: Well, the community has been very generous very. with us. Maritime Gloucester has yeah. given us a. a a point of debarkation and use of their facilities and the mayor has given us the first floor of of the Fitzhugh Lane house right. to to use as a as a, as a club clubhouse house. yeah people have just been very very generous with us and you know we try to Put on a good show yeah. for them
0: um, well i remember a big page turn um i helped start the pingree team well oh, i didn't help start i started at the same time you all were starting gloucester and i remember we both went to the same source we tried to beg borrow and steal old boats uh eastern point yacht club we tried to beg how about your old crappy boats can we buy them and all that i think we both got one both i think
1: they I yeah they're... but then
0: after two years you guys got um, the most generous guy in uh, Massachusetts, Lindsay Coolidge, and the Dusky Foundation.
1: Oh, and Peter Bent.
0: Peter Bent. Now, Peter, Peter Bent. Bent was very generous on buying boats, as I recall, because if you bought whatever it was, 2 you'd get the third one free, or, and you did that twice. But without Dusky's money. Uh, It would have been hard to build those floats, and those floats... Oh, no,
1: those floats were from Seaport Bond money, I believe. Really? I think so. You can't really quote me on that because... It all happened The the Dusky Foundation did not provide the floats. Okay. They provided five of the 420s and the 17-foot Boston Whaler.
0: Oh, that is... But your floats are... You know, a lot of boats, they have constant wear because you're pulling them up on docks and even with rugs the docks are regular docks but your d- are engineered, they're so ergonomic, they slope down from the middle there's two huge ones that are moored together and they're like a mountain. They go down so that when the kid comes up you could practically sail the boat up onto the dock because it's exactly just a couple of inches above water level. It's so easy and those beautiful uh, holding uh, the cradles, cradles, and uh, tie downs, and the covers, and the sails, and your equipment has gone from laughable to almost the best in the Mass Bay League.
1: That was all, Patty.
0: Yeah, Patty Not just.
1: It was. Uh, oh, I. She came towing along yep. with this thing. It was half-submerged. Yep. It was painted red. And we actually were traveling around the harbor finding those drifting pieces of styrofoam. <laughs> you know, you see yeah, those big... Yeah, do, yeah. yeah. We would We would go get those, and we'd bring them over, and we'd you stuff them underneath them. <laughs> there, and yeah. then Damon would drive nails into them so that they wouldn't float away. And, you know, we were that way for a yeah. while. But Patty um, went through all of the channels. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. She did her research, and uh, she... Uh, did a beautiful job.
0: Yeah. Well, she was an unstoppable force in her own way. Very Safathia-like. She got her goal in mind. She just locked on to it. And with laser-like intensity, she just pretty much advocated. Uh, she wasn't caustic. She just stuck to it. And she got what she needed. And she never had a kid in the program.
1: No, she didn't. So she had did started it for yeah. her, her own daughter. I who, see. Um...
0: Who didn't sail, though. Really,
1: because by yeah. the time she got everything in motion, yeah. and she, she went to everybody, and, and she knew everybody. She, uh, she understood uh, the needs of the community. She mm-hmm. was very, very connected to the community and still is.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I remember when you started, because we started at the same time. We actually lucked out at Pingree. We had a bunch of marblehead kits on our Pingree team. So our first and second and third year, we weren't bad. You guys were pretty clueless when you started, and then after year one, you got Jared Dunn, and Jared Dunn uh, was your kind of catalyst. And you got the Anderson brothers, and all three of these guys uh, went on to stay in sailing, and they went on to doing really well. Uh, and that suddenly turns your program around because I remember we used to compete with you guys, and it was always you know a walkover, and then all of a sudden. It wasn't a walkover. Um, I think even I was gone from Pingree by then. But I remember you whooped us a couple of times, uh, which actually gave me great delight, because by then I was starting to say, why am I driving every day? I mean, they wanted to go to Marblehead to do their Pingree program. We were in Manchester. It was so easy. And then we were in Essex. It was just as easy. But Marblehead, that's almost an hour. To do each way every day in traffic. I said, I said, "When you guys said Gordo, we'd we'd like to get you as a racing coach." You know, um, you had a coach, but he was more of an operations coach because he didn't race, and he uh, he had a few other agenda items. But um, so I said, "Why not?" And it was so nice to come out there and the kids. I mean, I hate to say this. I know I'm generalizing, but the private school kids. We had to do everything. The coaches had to have the boat set up there it was like you know you're pitching them to do their homework kind of thing our kids oh my god let's go it was like world war ii it's they do everything we don't the coaches our backs are still good because we, the kids do all the boat maintenance and turning the boats over and carrying them and moving them and it's a great teamwork between them they're so gung-ho and they're just great, polite, wonderful kids.
1: It's mostly because they know I don't know how.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> I make it very clear if the, you want these boats rigged, you're going to have to figure it out.
0: Well, well you had a ter- you had your best year ever last year, and so with high school sports, it's always like a sine wave. You're always graduating people, or you got the kids in the pipeline. Some years you're weak, and I don't mean you. I mean all teams, all high schools. They're they yeah, they start out. You yep. start
1: with the, you've got a lot of freshmen. Get it's just pipeline. like any team. Like you, oh, look yeah. at your football team. Yeah, the best players are graduating. That's right. You know? And once
0: they graduate, you go from an asset to a liability. Suddenly, you're a young team again, and you have a building year. But and, there's uh,
1: such good communication yeah. between these kids are they're special kids yeah, they they, are. And, uh, well last and year o. you
0: were 7 and 0 weren't you undefeated we were Until undefeated and playoffs.
1: we won we yeah. won our division yeah. and uh, which was
0: the first as i recall yeah that was and that undefeated was
1: undefeated to yeah. win it yeah.
0: we are in now north shore b division 2 i guess they call it not division b and the reason that is uh, excellent is there's also a division 3 a division C that is in mainly Boston teams. It's funny, the Boston teams don't seem to be as good as the suburbs. Um, and uh, it can be very competitive. Our division is Beverly, Schwampskit, of all things, Concord is in the North Shore. Uh, I don't think Manchester's in our division, they're in Group A. No. Uh, we got Winthrop, we've got Pingree, we've got Gloucester. I know I'm leaving someone out. Landmark. Landmark. So. so it's actually, again, like all sine waves. Sometimes their wave is up and ours is down. Sometimes ours is up and theirs is down. Like last year. This year we're going to be back to pretty even because we graduated so many.
1: Oh, things. we have such a good yeah, team, yeah, we, no, we have such good yeah. talent. And we have kids. our one
0: genuine superstar, who started its seventh grader. For us, and they're usually ninth graders, <laughs> as the young kids, and up to 12th grade, so think of that six, six grades. He's
1: on the bottom of that, and they're that is they're all stars. Austin, they are all stars. Austin Monell is, but he is a he's gifted. gifted, there is no yeah. doubt. But we also have Isabel Gleckner yep. as our captain, who is uh, uh, eminently suited. For her position. Oh, she you can just all see of them. leadership written off. How about John over. Andrews, who's John a Clayton
0: Morrissey great grandson who's new. got
1: sailing in his blood. We've got Amanda who had never That's sailed, but right. we have Carrie who That's never right. sailed until last year yeah. and competed in Marblehead last summer. Uh, we've got the Hogan Lopez girls That's who that. are just two girls with it. there's a third one on the way, all of them uh, Talented. You know what's great about the group is I remember when they all started, they were fairly
0: clueless, and watching Amanda come along in particular.
1: Oh, it's a dance.
0: She has been immersed all year round. She'll do, by the way, we are one of the few programs in Gloucester um, for the whole state that does fall racing too. And we rehearse twice, two seasons. We practice twice a year. Almost no other teams do fall. It's just a spring sport in Massachusetts. And we train all year round, which is really good because it allows people in our pipeline to get so much more training. They're getting twice as many opportunities. And we work them hard. We don't, We, you know, Pingree, you, we used to cancel if, you know, a seagull pooped,
1: you know. And we almost never cancel. Oh, the snowstorm last yeah. year, they would not cancel. Yeah. You are taking us out to those yeah. boats. The kids won't yes. let us. Yeah, they want to sail in the snow. We are going out, and we've got shovels.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shovel ready, that's us. Well, um, I will say that the location of our wonderful let's call it plant and equipment, all the docks and boats and all that, is so sheltered by being right off the, it's kind of off between the state fish pier and the work they're doing now with the dredging. So it's not exactly in the middle of the harbor, but it's nice because the west wind, when it blows really hard, we are protected. Well, look, I am not protected from my engineer's incessant reminder that we've reached our 30 minutes. And uh, it has been nothing but a pleasure to talk about the past and the present with Hillary Fry, who is President, Chief Operating Officer, and Numero Uno Babalowick, Bulwark for Gloucester High Sailing. I'm Gordon Baird. Thank you, Hillary.
1: Thank you, Gordon. Alright,
0: we'll see you at practice this afternoon. And thank you, Jim Capillo, my engineer. And see you next time on Fishtown Local. Let's all dance.